Hi, I'm Kyle. And I'm Trevor. And welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. Uh, If you're not familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and Kyle take turns introducing each other to movies. Uh, And in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, So we have a special thing we do every month on the show. Uh, It's a little event we call uh, Catching Up on Blu-ray. Basically, this is a monthly segment on the show where we take a look at the physical media releases for each calendar month and uh, just, you know, browse the catalog, see what's coming to DVD, 4K, and Blu-ray, and say a little bit about anything that jumps out at us. Um, Prospective purchases and whatnot or, you know, movies that maybe we heard some shit about. Um, so it is the month of February 2020, um, and if you're not familiar with how this works, um, generally uh, physical media releases occur on Tuesdays every week, um, so if you want to follow along and pop out your calendar, uh, we're going to list off the dates in which all these things come out. So uh, the first major release date in February is uh, February 4th, and uh, right out the gate we have a pretty high-profile release, one that I don't know how well it did in the theaters, but it's a big fucking deal, actually, in a lot of interesting ways. And that would be a Dr. Sleep. Um, so this was a recent uh, theatrical release from 2019. And this was directed by a fellow who I'm not familiar with, but he has a very uh, good track record, as far as I understand. Um, Mike Flanagan, does that name mean anything to you, Kyle? Actually, I am uh, familiar with Mike Flanagan. I just wasn't uh, familiar with him, like with his name, just with his work. Um, I know him as uh, he did Gerald's Game, uh, which I haven't seen, but I've heard good things. Uh, And he also did The Haunting of Hill House, which I have seen. Uh, And it is great. Uh, It looks like there's another season of it, though, which I didn't know. I'm kind of curious about that. I thought it was just a little mini series, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about Haunting of Hell House. I have some some friends of mine who are really big on the horror and whatnot. Uh, they were very up on it. And some friends of mine who aren't up on the horror actually were pretty up on it. Um, it's the Mandalorian that, for horror hounds. That's, that's basically what, <laughs> okay. it, what it is. Okay. And uh, funny enough, uh, Gerald's Game, that's another Stephen King adaptation. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Sleep is, of course, the sequel to The Shining, uh, based on the book of the same title, written by Stephen King. Um, but this is a really interesting situation where you have a sequel movie um, that uh, apparently has strong ties to the Kubrick film, um, but it's also based on a Stephen King property in a situation where Stephen King is not a big fan of the Kubrick film. <laughs> so so the movie, as far as I understand, really really ties into the, the movie, um, and maybe not so much with the book. Uh, I've heard it's very, very good, actually. Really? I, I, was really, I was really shocked to hear that. I was expecting it to be crap, but most of the reviews and most of the people I've talked to about it uh, indicate that it's pretty good. See, um, I thought this was going to be the jump. This is going to be the foot off the ledge for you and McGregor. Like, you know, when, because we're going to get to, I think some actors, they get a point where they stop doing like decent movies and just start doing crap. Or as they get older, they'll just do anything. The good liar, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought this was going to be the one for him. I'm like, all right, well, I guess we're done with you and uh, this looks fucking stupid. Uh, but if you, I haven't heard anything about it, honestly. And I, would, I was a little distrusting of it because I'm like, 
we're continuing, or we're still talking about the the story of you know The Shining. I'm like, you guys know that 90% of why The Shining is good is because it was directed by Stanley Kubrick. Not so much the actual story itself, just how he did it. And that I'm like, if this isn't done by Stanley Kubrick, then I don't really see myself watching it. So, and he's dead, so I don't think he directed it. You know, I, you're a big Kubrick fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I appreciate fan. the man, but I, I'm not I'm not super familiar with his filmography, to be honest. I know mm-hmm. his reputation. I I know there's an air of reverence that comes when you approach any of his work. Um, I watched A Clockwork Orange based on your recommendation. I was mm-hmm. happy you made me watch that. I really enjoyed it. In fact, I haven't seen a movie of his and did not enjoy it. Um, I don't know. This this is a case where I I would watch this. Um, yeah. As far, as far as I've heard, um, actually the weakest elements of it are the part where they try to tip the hat too strongly towards what he did. It's like, you know, fan service. It's, yeah. a, it's a thing that it some filmmakers in particular just can't help themselves. Um, you either appreciate it or you don't, but... Yeah, I was really shocked to hear that this is actually supposed to be really good, and I was really, I was really seriously considering renting it just the other day. Um, I think it, I can. It seems like something I would watch. My partner, she hates horror movies, but if I tell her it's the guy who did the the Haunting of Hill House, I might be able to sell her on it. I might, I just might, I might be able to get well, her. Well, and also, I mean, there's a reason Stephen King adaptations are so popular. It's because his work is so approachable. Mm-hmm. It's like it, you know, it has that mass appeal that not ev- not every horror product has. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a reason it cleaned up at the box office because it, it's like just it strikes that good balance of fun and horror where it's like it's never too scary to the point where it would be like unbearable for your average moviegoer. And I suspect that's the case with this. Although I have heard there's like at least one humdinger of a sequence in here that I'm actually really curious to see. <laughs> I just realized that two. Two of my favorite uh, dialogue scenes between characters uh, use the N-word. I, I just realized that. <laughs> I don't know if this is about me. How did that pop into your head? But I was thinking like The Shining. I'm like, my favorite scene in that in that movie is when he's talking to Mr. Grady when he spills the drink on him and they're, they're having a conversation. That actor does not blink that entire time. The camera's on him while he's doing that. Um, but he uses the N-word a couple times in there. And... It's different than in true romance, but it's actually kind of funny in The Shining of how it's done. But I, I realized, I'm like, damn, I think I have a problem. Maybe QT's got a point. <laughs> Maybe there's a reason why he puts it in there. It's It makes compelling scenes for some reason, but anyway, well, sorry. Not only that, it also makes, you if you slip that in the right moment, it makes it that much more memorable. Yeah. Because it has, it has that like shock effect where it's like, <gasps> Oh, just, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, he said a bad word. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is definitely one that I would watch. Um, the thing that irritates me is that there's an, like an extended director's cut. I don't mm. know how how official that director's cut title is. Um, oftentimes, you know, like I used to give a uh, 20th Century Fox uh, rest in peace. By the way, mm. um, I think we we had our final 20th Century Fox release. Um, just like within the past few weeks. Oh really? Uh, I forget what it was called, but uh, anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, uh, the director's cut. Um, I used to give Fox shit because um, they were infamous for double dipping on their DVDs, where it's like we'll put out the normal version, and then oh hey, here's the extended yeah. version. Like uh, I remember when the Wolverine came out, 
they had the know. dumbest release situation for it, where it was like this super duper box set edition. Uh, that's the only way to get the R-rated cut of that movie, and it was only available at Best Buy. Hmm. It was like, what? Like, sir, you mean the superior cut of the movie is only available via this one vendor, and you have to like pony up the cash for the super duper special edition? Fuck you! Yeah. I own it. <laughs> I was like, Trevor, I I've have, seen it in your apartment. I have two myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, the director's cut is substantially longer, so I don't know if it's better though. I'm gonna put it on the watch list. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna... don't. Yeah, don't be a snob, Kyle. Just, just give it a shot. You know? I need it. And the, I think the Stephen King name would get your your lady to be interested. She know? likes more Stephen King adaptations than I do. I prefer his. I think I prefer his drama, his drama stuff. Um, oh, Green Mile and whatnot. Yeah, I think those are those are the better ones. Shawshank. That's a. It's uh, the director's cuts three fucking hours. Okay, let's just let's just well, calm I, down. I think the the rental version's just the theatrical edition. Well, they got both of them. Oh, they do. Yeah. Well, I will watch the long one because okay. I do that. <laughs> um, so, what do we have next here, Kyle? We have uh, a film by a director who I am working through his filmography at the moment. Uh, the house that Jack built, a Lars von Trier, a Lars von Trier joint. Uh, I'm a little skeptical to start this because it looks like it's a legit film, and if you watch, if you watch the Lars von Trier film, you after you've seen one you're like okay i'm not sure what i'm gonna get myself into with the next one this seems like a more straightforward film which could be awesome like it could be something like really special i think it's right up my alley matt Dillon playing a fucking serial killer um in a lars von trier film like that's that's too strange of a combination for it not to work do you, you know what i mean yeah no i actually at a glance i'm Intrigued. And Bruno Ganz. Oh. I didn't even... See. Okay. <laughs> Bruno. Bruno Ganz. As if you couldn't... Uh, couldn't... Yeah. Wow. No, I, this movie's popped up on a few lists, like end-of-the-year lists and stuff, as being something to check out if you're into that sort of thing. I mean, it's Lars von Trier, like you said. It's, it's always going to be challenging, but I like Matt Dillon, and... I can handle challenging subject matter. Um, I, this is another movie that I would I would watch. I don't know if I would run out to the fucking red box to, <laughs> to, to watch it, but if it like appeared on Prime and you wanted to talk about it or something, sure, I'd watch it. If you were to own... If I was to have you watch one Lars von Trier film, it would be The Element of Crime. I think either that or Europa would be one of the two uh, because it's less about narrative... And more about the actual camera work, and the element of crime is awesome. As far as like just, just the cinematography, just how it's shot, it's really awesome. Um, this seems like it's going to be more about the story, and uh, I, I actually just put this on my list today before we even start doing this. This is one that I'm going to be watching here pretty soon. Okay, well, so far we're off to a very good start. Yeah, uh, two for two. Um, we have a movie by the name Waves. Looks it has like a, a bummer. lot of. Yeah, it looks like a bummer. Um, it's like a bummer. It has a lot of uh, film festival and uh, and critics notes on the cover, which means it was probably not seen by many people, but is likely worth your time. Not something that I'd be terribly interested in. Yeah. <clears throat> Moving on down, we have uh, Boys in the Hood. Great 1991. movie. 1991. Yeah, uh, I agree. Uh, it's a John, John Singleton film. Uh, I think I watched it. At around the right age, I was like a, early, I was in my early teens, and yeah. definitely, 
definitely resonated on certain levels. Uh, definitely worth worth any young man's time. I, I think ever, anyway. Did you ever see Don't Be a, Don't Be a Menace to Society while drinking your gin and juice in the hood? Or I think that's the name of the movie. But the the Wayne's Brothers parody movie of gang movies. I did not personally, but I remember my brother and his friends renting it multiple times. <laughs> the Wayne's Brothers in the nineties, they 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 actually did put out funny movies. Like they were I I like the first couple scary movies. Um, Boys in the Hood or uh, Don't Be a Menace was fun, but the, at the opening thing, it, and the movies are t- you know talking about gun violence and what it's like to grow up in these neighborhoods. But at the beginning of Don't Be a Menace, uh, it says, during their lifetime, one in four black men will be forced to sit down and watch a movie about gang violence <laughs> growing up in the. Hood. <laughs> That's <laughs> a, pretty good. It's, it's a great way to open it up. Um, next is The Nightingale. I've been waiting patiently um, for this to come out. Uh, I'm really excited to watch this one. Um, it, I've got so much on my list, and since you, uh, for Christmas, got me the Criterion channel uh, for a three-month <laughs> subscription, I haven't gotten a chance to get to anything I've wanted to. I've just basically been going through there. But, yeah. yeah. Same director as The Babadook. Uh, yeah, as far as I understand, it's only their second film. And uh, uh, I've heard this shit is pretty disturbing. Um, like uncomfortable disturbing like like much more visceral than the babadook i guess like like because you know babadook like there's a lot of themes going on there's a lot of metaphors and whatnot i think this one's more just like nope this this is some bad (laughs) shit (laughs) like (laughs) like there's there's less layers of interpretation i guess but i've heard it's very very good but um i wonder if ari if ari aster has just like shadowed her Unfortunately, because well, they're both. Uh, Bob Duke wasn't a twenty-four, I don't think. Um, but the A twenty-four crew have just been like taking over, basically, um, as far as like unsettling, um, unsettling horror or unsettling unorthodox horror, more or less. And that's what I understood this to be along those lines. Uh, and this is the same year as what Hereditary came out. The same year. It's the well, it's kind of funny because I mean. Uh, this this lady that did uh, the Nightingale and the Babadook, she she started a few years prior, but it's it's almost impossible for me to think of uh, Hereditary and uh, the Witch, like uh, like I can't think of those things individually. For some yeah. reason, I think of those two directors as like paralleling each other in some ways. And as far as I can tell, just based on word of mouth, it seems like um, their sophomore efforts, uh, the Lighthouse guy, definitely pulled ahead. <laughs> Because um, Midsummer is m- much more divisive than any of the other ones. I really liked Midsummer. I wasn't expecting to. I liked it in a way that I wasn't expecting to. That's what mm. it was. I really found interesting. Somebody pointed out like we're in like a really noteworthy uh, time for horror. Like just the last few years. Like it's I been... think the I think the the buzzword they're using is prestige horror. Yeah, it's gonna be um, like it, like in thirty years when I'm teaching my. Um, my class, my uh, film class uh, later at a community college, um, I will be talking about these movies, and they're going to be probably a significant part of uh, of the horror genre moving forward. Yeah, it it almost it's almost like we're back in like the late seventies or early eighties, where you had you know Roman Polanski and Stanley Kubrick making horror movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah, shit, legit, <laughs> like fertile <laughs> ground for like legit great movies made by legit great people. And then titties took over the 80s, man. That's that's all. Titties and knives. 
Well, just everybody got rich off of their coke money and just started throwing <laughs> throwing shit at the wall. It's like it doesn't matter. We're all rich anyway. <laughs> it's like, let's just make crap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so moving on, we have a re-release of Summer of Sam. Um, Never watched that. John Leguizamo. I, I believe so. Um, I've mentioned this before on the show. Actually, I have a fond <laughs> a fond memory of not seeing that movie because I was at my grandpa I was at my grandparents' house in Hawaii. And uh, my grandpa, like, scooted out of the living room, like, 20 minutes into the movie. And he just sat down next to me and he said the word rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, I was stuck in the kitchen because I was too young to, to watch it, apparently. And, uh, yeah, he just sat down. We started eating snacks in the kitchen. He, said, he just shook his head and said, rubbish. <laughs> I don't know what's more terrifying. John Leguizamo in uh, Spawn as the clown or John Leguizamo in drag in Tu Wong Fu. Cause his teeth, he like him in a wig is just like terrifying with the teeth. There's something with his teeth that just makes him a terrifying woman. Uh, in, that, in that movie, like I'm, it's like like Wesley Snipes is convincing, and so is Patrick Swayze. I, people don't talk about that movie enough for Patrick for uh for Wesley Snipes. Like it was a pretty it was a pretty cool move for him and like it, he's good in it like you're not expecting you're not expecting him to be good in it but he's really good in it but John Leguizamo was like I think Patrick Swayze punched him or got close to punching John Leguizamo because he was doing a lot of improvisation on set and Swayze's like uh no we're just we're reading the script not doing that stuff <laughs> I could totally see that yeah uh, this was the era of the pest like yeah. <laughs> Um, Kyle, have you seen Last Christmas? Is the, is this one of those movies you had to watch? Close. Uh, luckily, okay. Steph got it in before I had to watch it. So, eh. so this is a a physical media release of. Was this a theatrical or just strictly Netflix movie? Uh, it's got what's her face from Game of Thrones. But there, Game of Thrones is kind of taking on like a Fast and the Furious for me as well. Like anytime I see a Game of Thrones character in a movie, I don't think I need to really watch that movie. Yeah, it you know it's really funny for me is that I don't watch Game of Thrones, but I recognize the people. I know when people are from Game of Thrones, and it's really fucking frustrating having them pop up in everything, because you can tell it's like a a cross pollination thing. We're we're trying to do, we're trying to market our film, and how can we do that? It's like well, let's take the cast, like the cheapest members of the cast from the biggest. TV show in history and slip them into the <sighs> movies. I actually, the, Kyle, go to, ahead. to make my example, you said that about the Fast and Furious. Movie. Yeah, yeah. Game of Thrones people have been in the Fast and Furious <laughs> movies. I'm, I'm sure you're right. <laughs> no, the the big uh, ginger beardy guy. Oh, Giant he Spain. Was, he, I don't know. Okay. Big ginger beardy man. <laughs> yeah, ginger beard. Yeah, Giant Spain. Ginger, ginger beard. He's in. He's in Fast Eight. I was actually. There are so Alfie. I think it's Alfie Allen. He plays Theon Greyjoy. Uh, he is the guy that killed John Wick's dog in the first. Um, yeah, I remember you telling me that. He was also in the Predator, briefly. And he's in uh, Jojo Rabbit, which I just watched. Um, oh. We'll get to that eventually. I'm sure it's on here. Um, yeah. But I was gonna say there was one character who I didn't. I his character in Game of Thrones drove me nuts. The actor was fine. It was just his his fucking character was so stupid. But he's actually in uh, Darkest Hour, and he's really good in Darkest Hour. Um, hmm. But yeah, maybe there, maybe there's one or two. If it's the heavy hitters, they're not doing good movies. 
No, uh, Amelia Clark. Um, to be honest, I have yet to see her put in a good performance. Ah, huh? She did solo. I'm sorry, she did solo. I liked solo. I'll, I'll, I, I'll admit it on air. I thought it was okay. I just don't remember it to be honest. Like it, it just went in in one ear out the other. Um, and Terminator Genesis, we don't talk about. No. Um, <laughs> I don't um, remember that movie. <laughs> The parts I remember, I really hate. <laughs> um, but Henry Golding, uh, I have this running gag about him, uh, well, a personal running gag anyway, that like he must have the best agent in Hollywood or something. Because I swear every major leading man role like of any sort of significance that gets announced... Mm-hmm. like his, his name is thrown all over it like like it's always like oh yeah henry golding's in the running to be james bond oh yeah henry golding's gonna be optimus prime it's like i actually wouldn't be terribly surprised if he was in the running to be james bond really he just did mm-hmm. he just did a uh, guy Ritchie movie um and he's he's a handsome he's a handsome man crazy rich asians made a lot of money yeah i didn't watch um, that <laughs> Yeah, um, I had to. But, um, but next up, uh, we have a movie I know nothing about, but the the cover catches my eye. The Good Liar, 2019, starring Helen Mirren and Sir Ian McKellen. I think they're in their, like, Michael McCain, Morgan Freeman years, where we're like, or Michael Caine, where we're just doing, like, it cost cost $50,000 for me to do the movie, and I'm going to do one of these movies every month, basically. I have exactly... Yeah, Helen Mirren has... Helen Mirren's been having a good time for the past couple of years. In fact, Kyle, Helen Mirren has been in the past two Fast and Furious movies. Wow. <laughs> and and she did those red movies. She seems like a good-humored lady. She um, I've seen her on the Graham Norton show. She's she is that. Yes, very much. Yeah. No. Um I don't know anything about this, but the cast is definitely eye-catching. Like that seems like it could be fun. Um, but moving on down, Clockers, what is this, Kyle, from 1995? I don't know. I Spike know Lee. This. See, I haven't seen a single Spike Lee film. Uh, we just weren't, my family just never rented his movies growing up. Um, produced by Martin Scorsese, Harvey Keitel, it's got Harvey Keitel, John Turturro, Isaiah Washington, Mackay Pfeiffer, Keith David. You got me with Keith David. Uh, young drunk pushers. <laughs> is it the Frank or the Bean? <laughs> is it the Frank or the Bean? <laughs> Uh, young drug pushers in the projects of Brooklyn live hard, dangerous lives trapped between their drug bosses and the detectives out to stop them. Um, I have had two Spike Lee movies I've wanted to see. The Black He did The Black Klansman, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, yes and Chirac was the other one I wanted to see. That one's, I think that was Amazon production, so that one's probably freely available to you. Um, I remember having to watch Bamboozled in school. Um, that was interesting. Um, I was really surprised we watched it for school because it's, it's complicated. Like it's pretty racy content, to be honest. And you you really have to be paying attention to get the joke, I guess. Mm. And it has a lot to say. Um, I don't know. I as far as I understand, Black Klansman, like a lot of people were really strongly rallying for him to get some form of award. Of course, because it seemed like, it felt like maybe maybe his last shot or something. And he's. I don't think he's ever won a major awards he at hasn't. the Academy. Yeah, so he's one of those directors that's like, I I haven't seen too many of his films, but he, there's a lot of respect there. Like, he does have a reputation, and I don't know, I feel like I should take a deep dive on his filmography someday. We should probably do that. We, we could probably commit We could probably commit a month to, to Spike Lee joints. 
I think we yeah. should. I mean, it would just be fun to say a Spike Lee joint every month yeah, <laughs> or right. every week for a month. <laughs> instead of a, <laughs> it makes you feel cool. Instead of a Troy Duffy crushed beer can, we get a <laughs> Spike Lee joint. Uh, so the what, Jungle Fever. What else jumps at you? I would say Jungle Fever was the other one I've wanted to see. Of uh, I forget that's him as well. Um, he's got so many movies. Um, but The Breakfast Club <laughs> is, has oh. another release. Um, yeah, you could skip that. Uh, we've covered the best of the Judd Nelson movies. Saint Elmo's Fire. <laughs> if, you, if you need a good <laughs> need a good Judd Nelson movie, watch that. Um, I've just I've seen the movie so many times. I've seen it parodied so many times. It's really not that good, but it's in the Criterion Collection. Um, maybe at the time it was more relevant, like the the themes, I guess, hit home back then. But now, like it, it's a different America. Like all your problems don't really don't really matter to me. Sorry, white kids. <laughs> yeah, it, it's definitely a, a place and time kind of thing. It's a bit of a time capsule, um, which is why I'm not in too much of a hurry to see it because I, I never have, to be honest. But like, at, to quote you, Kyle, you're all right. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I mean, you probably should watch it just so you can just so you can understand what I mean by Ali Sheedy's weird, uh, <laughs> weird, weird energy, weird acting energy. I like Emilio in it. Um, it's a decent Emilio movie, but there's too many like slow down, like heartfelt moments where we're talking about our feelings and our frustrations, and it just I'm too old for that shit. It twists and turns. <laughs> it gets uncomfortable. It, it, Judd Nelson's not a really nice guy in the movie. It, oh, but, but, I'm sorry. It does end with a dance dance montage. Uh, that is the second to last thing you see is a dance montage. Uh, so what else we got here? It looks like a bunch mm. of re-releases. Um, we have <laughs> Playing With Fire, uh, starring, what is that, Keegan-Michael Key and uh, John Poor Cena. Um, I loved Key yeah. and Peele, and I wish it was still on. I, it, Key and Peele was really funny. And then Keegan-Michael Key and Jordan Peele just completely split off on what they were doing. <laughs> Jordan Peele is like a, a respected director and producer and writer and key is just doing anytime he pops up i'm like really you're here too oh man um he was in the show friends from college uh i think it's on netflix i watched it with uh steph it, it was actually pretty good it was a decent show uh, a little bit of a dramedy um fred savage steals it he's fucking hilarious on there uh he's just this really nice short guy and he's just always smiling always upbeat uh so he's Fred Savage. Yeah, he's Fred Savage, yeah. Um, yeah, it was actually a pretty decent show. Uh, hopefully hopefully things keep going for him. Well, playing with fire reeks of John Cena um, retracing the steps of The Rock. That's, ex- you, that's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, he's trying to rock right now. He's Yeah, it's like you, you start out with some shitty low-budget action movies. You work your way up to something slightly bigger. It doesn't quite work out, so you go back to wrestling, and then you try again with kids' movies, and then next up he has the next Fast and Furious movie, Fast and Furious Nine, um, and then he, then I think the rocket will be strapped to him and he'll be set, and then he'll have to make a movie with the Rock, <laughs> and he'll be the biggest movie in history. <laughs> yeah, I need I need Mark Wahlberg to get in like serious trouble for something. So I think that that's gonna help him. Like either the Rock has to retire, which you and I both know he'll die acting. Um, he'll die mid scene probably. Mm-hmm. 
We need Mark something bad to happen to Mark Wahlberg where he like no he doesn't die or anything, but he's like shunned by society. And then John Cena can just slip right in there and start doing those movies. Worst case scenario, we get Daddy's Home Three and John Cena's like Marky Mark's older brother Ooh, or, like <laughs> or his stepbrother would, or something. I would probably watch I would watch the clip of him in the movie. Yeah, I would too. It's John Cena. <laughs> um but yeah, I heard this was terrible. Uh, moving on, uh, Rabbit. This is a remake um, from 2019. This is a remake of the David Cronenberg movie of the same name. Um, I'm very curious to see what this is like because just, just from the cover art, I can already tell it's probably very different. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen the original. Um, it was one of his early movies. Um, it's very good, worth your time. Um, Cronenberg's awesome. I don't know who directed this though so let's find out just so we can be respectful uh jen soska and sylvia soska uh maybe sisters uh yeah i've heard this is good though um so i i would definitely check that out i think it's a i think it's probably going to find its way to shutter if it hasn't already um moving on though kyle what catches your eye next uh trauma center i thought bruce willis stopped doing stuff but what happened was is Bruce Willis stopped doing things that like n- nobody cares like we don't even get advertisements for his movies anymore the last movie I saw an advertisement for was uh, he was doing the oh Eli Roth movie um, oh Death Wish Death Wish remake. yeah the Death Wish remake and that was the last I time I was, it. is it awful oh yeah it's yeah. it is the most nothing movie it's just a fart in the wind gotcha um, it's kind of unfortunate it's like i i rented it hoping that eli roth would at least like bring the gore to the table or something and no it's just a f- completely flat remake of the original i think he's trying to like he's kind of doing like a todd phillips thing like where he's just like i don't do that anymore okay like todd phillips like, i don't do comedies anymore i do other things i'm i was like nominated for like doing joker you know I think Eli Roth is like, no, 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 no. I did the kids movie. I did that. Like, I did the house with the clock on the walls. I'm, I'm a legitimate director now. I'm not doing torture stuff anymore. Because you guys didn't like Green Inferno. We didn't. It was not good. <laughs> um, well, yeah, he, he seems like he's floundering a little bit. I don't know how the house with the clock on the walls did. But um, Knock Knock was also a slightly different project for him. So seems like after two or three of those, maybe it's time to get back to basics. I think he needs to. Uh, I want to watch. I feel like he would have done well with the um, the scary stories to, st- to tell in the dark, because the house with the clock on the walls had a vibe that I'm expecting in the uh, scary stories to tell in the dark, where it's like kind of spooky for kids, not really spooky for 13 year olds, but entertaining enough for adults. If you get my drift, it's like adults can actually engage in the film and. No, I, I get that. And what what's interesting is, like, as I'm thinking on it, um, I feel like the timing is actually right for him to get back to basics. Because mm. think about, like, like we were talking about earlier about how we're in the midst of this prestige horror wave where we have all these, like, extremely well-shot and well-acted horror movies that rely largely on those two instruments to, to like, to work. Yeah. So there's definitely a room for just like a splatter gore movie you know in the horror world right now because i don't it feels like we're maybe a little bit starved for it make splatter great again yeah it it, yeah make splatter great again make splatter great again god damn it (laughs) (laughs) um yeah this trauma center is definitely a direct-to-video movie 
Um, as is this Dragonheart Vengeance from 2019. That has to be like Dragonheart 4 or 5 by now. Jesus, yeah. Um, but did you have anything else you wanted to say about Mr. Roth? No, no. I was just going to say how great that Evil Dead remake was. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, did you ever see the Cabin Fever remake? There was a Cabin Fever remake. I was not aware the, of that. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it either, but it I I know Eli Roth was involved in it in some capacity. But yeah, I... I haven't seen it. I'd be very curious, though, because um, I actually happen to like the first one. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Grand Isle. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, I'm looking at the cover for this, and I'm like, Shutter Isle, maybe? Um, I love the cast. Nicolas Cage and... Is that Kelsey Grammer? That's Kelsey Grammer. Wow. That could be amazing, Kyle. (laughs) Nicholas Cage must be having financial trouble because he is. I've never seen somebody put somebody put out this many movies. Oh yeah, no, he puts out a movie every month, as far as I can tell. He's yeah, he's going to kill himself by just working too much because I every month there's like two there's two new Nick Cage movies out. (laughs) They're multiplying seriously. Um, so just to gloss over some of these, uh, we have FLCL, uh, Progressive Slash Alternative from 2018. This is a sequel series to one of those essential, like, I think it was an early 2000s anime. It's like only four episodes long. It's very short, like extraordinarily anarchic and batshit crazy. But, um, the soundtrack for this anime, uh, kind of like shaped some of my friends, like taste in music for the rest of their lives really like like yeah this 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 anime touched people in the in the good way um i haven't seen it but i i get a i get the finger wag of shame from some of my close friends every now and again when i tell them that um we have something called mon 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 monsters from 2017 that's an interesting cover don't care enough to check it out but it's apparently a shutter original so you can find it there um i have a bunch of crap uh kingdom the movie is a japanese movie i think it's based on uh chinese history slash folklore and it might be based on a manga um the trailer for it looked aesthetically pleasing but my god i just could not bring myself to care (laughs) like it was that kind of situation where it's like yeah this looks visually interesting but has no soul so i'm sorry i just can't be bothered with it um brain damage kyle from 1988 this is an arrow release uh are you familiar with this movie no um it's one that i found on my uh badmovies.org website way back in the day when i was in like high school and uh, they had a review for it it's always sounded really compelling to me it's about like an alien parasite that's that little uh that blue turd thing on his shoulder on mm-hmm. the cover <laughs> um Basically, it it's like the Venom symbiote, kind of. So it latches onto this guy, and it uh, it feeds him some kind of some kind of neurostimulant, like a drug, mm-hmm. and uh, it puts him into this trance, and it makes him euphoric, and it's using him to like find it victims that it can eat. So it like eats people's brains and stuff while he's in this trance state. So it's like it's like a metaphor for addiction, basically. Oh, gotcha. So he has this literal alien being like whispering in his ear and compelling him to do bad things, all the while like feeding him drugs and stuff. Uh, it sounds stupid, but fun. Like 
like in the, on the same like in the same vein as like an Evil Dead or Reanimator or something, where it's like it's eighties horror to a T, where it's winking at you the whole time. Hmm. Um, what catches your eye next, Kyle? Well, Evil Ed is definitely catching my eye, but I feel like that was the whole purpose behind the box cover. Um, that looks like it could be absolute garbage, like just not even watchable, or like a lot of fun, like practical effects stupidity. Like it could just be a, a, a fun time. It makes me think of like Full Moon Productions, like the the Puppet Master movies. Mm-hmm. Something along those lines, like maybe that same level of production quality. Um, the Hunt for Vlad the Impaler from 2018. Um, I didn't realize we were hunting for him. Uh, thought he died a long time ago. Um, AD Police. This is more anime. Uh, folks, just so you know, uh, we oftentimes skip over a lot of uh, anime releases because there are so fucking many of them from month to month. And I know th- almost exactly nothing about it, so I have yeah, which, to which is why I've been the only one mentioning them. <laughs> Otherwise, we just skip them. But one that I'd like to point out is uh, AD Police uh, to protect and serve. Um, this is from 1999. It's part of the uh, the Bubblegum Crisis uh, series, which is it's like a like 80s sci-fi inspired um, series. Uh, owes it owes everything to to blade runner in fact um fun bit of trivia kyle that you might get a kick out of uh the the opening of the first bubblegum crisis um is a it's a rock ballad sung by a band called uh uh pris and the replicants <laughs> as in gotcha pris one of the evil replicants and replicants mm-hmm. so yeah they they owe a lot to Largely uh, American sci- sci-fi from the '80s and stuff. That's great time for sci-fi. Fun. Yeah, uh, it's it, Bubblegum Crisis is an interesting series. It's not one that I know a whole lot about, but I remember watching it when I was young. It was good times. Um, uh, the Devil's Machine looks like they borrowed the font from uh, Death Race, uh, the the Paul W S Anderson Death Race, not mm-hmm. the Death Race 2000. Um, being I don't know what the hell that is, but it looks very cheap. It looks cheap. Um, <laughs> cheap. Um, Lance Hendrickson, yeah, it's cheap. Oh, yeah. In 2019, as much as I love that man, yeah, he's he's yeah, he's doing director video stuff. Yeah. Um, we have something called the Mandela effect from 2019. <laughs> uh, that's a thing that the kids on the internet have gotten really into in recent years. Uh, have you heard of this, Kyle? No. It's basically like this. It's like a conspiracy theory type situation where basically um, people misremember things. So like the spelling of the Bernstein Bears is one of the more famous examples. Mm. Where it's like I thought it was Berenstein. It's like no, it's Berenstain. It's like but I have so many solid memories of of my childhood of it saying Berenstein. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I have no idea what this is like, but I'm fairly certain it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what else we got here? It all looks like garbage. Yeah, um, we have a lot of concert videos. Um, hey, kids, of... keep getting face tattoos. It looks really good. Oh yeah, are you talking about everybody's everything? Yeah. Um, from 2019. Who is Look, this? Somebody I should know or care about? No, no. If they have if they I have face tattoos, you don't. You shouldn't care about them. They they're not for us. A look at the life of genre blending artist and style icon Lil Peep. 
spelt exactly how I said it. Yep. Because <laughs> poor literacy is cool. <laughs> um, just want to point out we have a Garo the animation. I've mentioned that several times on these uh, catching up on Blu-ray segments. Uh, Garo was a a, a live-action Japanese um, fantasy series I got really into when I was in college. Um, I was really happy with it then, but then I got really pissed off at it when it became an annual thing. Like, they had a new one every year, and I just realized I was getting older and just did not have the energy to keep up with it. So I just kind of walked away from it and said, you know what, I had my fun. I think I'm done. Mm. Uh, so let's move on uh, to the following week. So this would be February 11th. Uh, first major release is a collector's edition of My Bloody Valentine from 1981. Uh, have you heard of this one, Kyle? Yeah, I've heard of it. I've never seen it. Yeah, it's a it's an early slasher movie, um, notable for some pretty fucking awesome kills, um, <laughs> and and the the fact that the killer is dressed in a miner's outfit, which just looks cool. I don't care who you are, it just looks cool. Um, but yeah, for 1981, they had some pretty creative gore in there, hmm. um, and. This is a Shout Factory release, so it's bound to have tons of behind-the-scenes stuff on there. They do a really great job with that kind of stuff. Um, but beside that, uh, we have the the dark horse of the uh, the Oscars, um, Ford versus Ferrari on 4K from 2019. Um, do you have any enthusiasm about this movie, Kyle? Uh, that's a great question, Trevor. I'd like to ask, I'd like to thank you for asking that question. Yeah, I have no <laughs> desire whatsoever to watch this movie. I couldn't <laughs> care less about uh, Ford or Ferrari. I don't really care for cars, and I've heard that it's not even worth my time. So, yes. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's directed by James Mangold, uh, starring Matt Damon, Christian Bale, and a host of other people. Like, uh, John Bernthal's in there, I know. Um, but I think there's a whole bunch of other big names in there, too, that just aren't advertised with the movie. Um I would watch this. I'm not a car guy at all. Like, I know zero about cars. I have zero passion about cars. However, um, I think story... I, I think of this as being akin to a sports drama. And mm. I think that the personalities that that uh, are involved in these kinds of situations and topics are compelling. Like, kind of like... They're like daredevils slash driven individuals that there's a little bit of insanity in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would watch this. And I was very surprised to see how many awards it was up for this year because uh, it really didn't get much buzz about it. But most of the reviews I was reading were very positive. So it might just be like a like a boomer movie or something <laughs> where yeah. the, the right people were compelled to see it um, yeah, in terms of like winning awards and acclaim and stuff. But in terms of like mass appeal it just seems like that kind of movie i, guess. I mean let's think about how great parasite must be i still haven't even seen it let's think yeah. about how awesome it is that a korean film cleaned up at the oscars over like white guy afternoon movies like this like that it must be really really good i'm really excited to watch it i didn't even think about it's, that till now it's really really good i've, I've seen it oh you've um, seen it oh yes i have it's it's very very good awesome um, unsettling I, no not really okay it's it's not that kind of movie okay so don't go into it like expecting a horror movie or something <laughs> i wasn't <laughs> like, expecting a horror movie good, i thought it might good, be good. i thought it might just be like just unsettling i mean for certain people maybe but for me it it has a lot of uh it has a lot of like 
moments. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, ooh. That's, that's <laughs> like, what I'm expecting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, watch it, enjoy it. Um, moving on, we have a Criterion release of uh, Roma mm-hmm. from 2018. Uh, I, this is a movie that I would totally expect to end up in the Criterion collection. It seems appropriate for the catalog. Um, have you seen it? No, I've heard it's got dad dick in it, though. So, uh, oh, oh uh, no. Which is the, cri- the Criterion Collection is no stranger to. Uh, I'm, I think this is the first movie um, released on Netflix that made it to the Criterion Collection. You're probably right. Uh, I remember that was like a big point of controversy about the release of the movie was that it was hard to find in the theaters and the the academy and steven spielberg, spielberg in particular yeah <laughs> he was um, like, we was, can't be having these foreign movies and we can't be giving them awards because they didn't use our stuff for it like oh okay jeez dude <laughs> he's getting older no he's mm. getting weird yeah um yeah uh, i haven't seen it myself but uh my parents actually watched it and uh, they had mixed feelings about it like yeah. it was appreciated but it, it just i don't know something didn't click or something uh, but it's Alfonso Cuarón. He's he's a he's a master. He he makes good product. The Criterion Collection uh, isn't isn't interested in finding films that are gonna click for most people. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be very hit and miss for a lot of people. And even for the ones that I like from the Criterion Collection, it's like eh, I took something from that film, but as a whole, I don't think I'll ever watch that again. Like it, it was just a, a lot of time. Like I watched the ascent i finished watching the ascent today it was good it was a nice i mean it was it was a good watch through but i'm like i'm never gonna revisit that movie uh (laughs) it's never gonna happen (laughs) um so bouncing from the criterion collection into some crap (laughs) we have have swamp thing the complete collection from 2019 apparently this this uh, series didn't even get to finish its first and only season no shit um the, the one thing, the only reason I'm bringing it up, we easily could have skipped this. The only reason I want to bring it up is because um, the gentleman who wears the Swamp Thing costume is named Derek Mears. And he seems like a pretty cool guy. Um, I watched him on Dan Harmon's uh, Channel 101 website. Uh, he was on a few shows. Um, my friend and I had a nickname for him. It was Bald Action Guy. And uh, that was always his role. He was a big bald guy that did action stuff. Mm. And... Uh, it's kind of amazing, actually. He got his start doing five-minute internet shows on a tiny website, and now he's gotten a chance to be Jason Voorhees and fucking Swamp Thing. So mm. he's he's doing all right, even if Swamp Thing isn't. <laughs> this looks kind of gritty. Like I feel like I, I would actually sit and watch this, but apparently... Uh, well, well, Swamp Thing is one of those comic properties that it's fertile ground for, for like making an adaptation. Like mm. We had the, what, the Wes Craven swamp thing which was was it Wes craven or john carpenter i forget but adrian barbeau was in it anyway uh it was terrible mm-hmm. it's absolutely terrible um and, and then we had a cartoon when i was a kid uh return of swamp thing was campy fun at least it had that going for it but like there's certain runs in the comics that are noteworthy for being like some of the best work of of some pretty big name comic writers like Alan Moore worked on Swamp Thing, the guy who wrote Watchmen. Mm. And like he was famous for having like one of the best runs on the characters. So th- there are good Swamp Thing stories and like you said it has a good look to it. 
So I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't we haven't gotten it right just yet. Mm. Um, moving on, uh, we have uh, First Love. Um, this is a Takashi Miike movie that I've had my eye on for a little while now. Um, I I'm not going to be blind buying this, but hey, it has that certified fresh symbol on it, so you know it's good, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I watched the trailer for it a while back. Um, I I put a pin in it. I'll I'll watch it at some point. Uh, and then we have, uh, I think, a pair of uh, Jeff Goldblum movies re-released um, from 1988, Vibes, and f- from 1985, Transylvania 6-5000? Six, 6-5000? I like the cover. I never watched that movie, though. I think it's available on Amazon Prime right now. Um, I'd be curious. Um, seems like he, he had an interesting 80s. <laughs> uh, he was kind of up and down as far as I understand. Um, I, re- I think it's we- the big chill. I think I remember him just put. he's in his underwear and he was just putting like a rope of condoms in his suitcase before he's about to meet up with his old friends from college or something. Like, dude, who, who are you going to bang your old college friends? Like, he was bringing <laughs> condoms, plural, <laughs> for this. No, I mean, he had, what, Earth Girls Are Easy. He had this Vibes movie. He had Transylvania. Um I don't remember if Invasion of the Body Snatchers was a 70s or an 80s movie, but he, he had The Fly, and uh, what else did he... <laughs> I mean, he, he had a very strange 80s, put it that way. Oh, yeah, and he got killed by Charles Bronson, one of the Death Wish movies. <laughs> okay, well, this they just got sold on this. Uh, so we've got um, Ed Begley Jr., Carol mm-hmm. Kane, Jeffrey Jones, pre-child molesting, Conviction. Uh, Gina <laughs> Davis, Michael Richards, and Donald Gibb. <laughs> wow, that's a quite a cast. Yeah, right? I'm putting it on, yeah, I'm putting I, on the watch list. I, yeah, I would watch that, I'm God putting, damn it. putting it on the watch list. Um, moving on down, though, we have something you should not watch. Uh, that would be Bruce Willis's Hudson Hawk from 1991. This is an infamous film. Um, so much so that I, I spent $2 on a DVD on the U district (laughs) Um, because I was curious because I'd heard nothing but awful things about this movie. And I guess it costs some people their careers or something. No shit. Um, Yeah. It it has a reputation for being this, this horrible flop that just sunk everybody's career for a minute. Can you name five good Bruce Willis movies? It's a tough one, Kyle. I need to think about that. Actually, (laughs) name me three good Bruce Willis movies that aren't diehards one and three. Okay. Um, the Jackal. Okay. Uh, the Sixth Sense. Mm. Fifth Element. Okay, I'll give you the Fifth Element. Um, sixth Sense the first time. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I can ele- do three. I can do three. I think it goes <laughs> Die Hard 1, Die Hard 3, Fifth Element. I think that's that's the top three. But he's made so many movies. And I'm like, how many? He's made so many movies. And I'm like, I don't like hardly any of them. And it surprises me that this Hudson Hawk, it's like, it's not even like bad watchable, like, like seeing Elmo's fire or is it, is it just like, there's nothing there. It's, it's strange. I'll give you, uh, there's an unusual amount of singing in this movie uh, between, lost him, me. Be, between him and Danny Aiello. Yeah. You lost people. me. Um, it's a very strange movie. Um, he's I'm an alpha dog. I watched it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> when are we going to watch Alpha Dog? You I mean, brought it up so many times. Anton Yelkin, I mean, that's almost that would almost be a good one to do for uh, for next month is Alpha okay, Dog. Well, 
keep it. We got to be careful. That might turn into Anton Yelkin month. <laughs> it might. Yeah. Well, I mean, because he pulls, he does a great performance in the in an otherwise horrible film, uh, and I I think it's it's noteworthy for for him. Well, you you promised me Alpha Dog, so we mm. need to get to it at some point. Oh, it will be rich with conversation. <laughs> Um, what what's up next here, Kyle? Um, Richard Gere. I've seen I think maybe one percent of his filmography. Uh, same with Kim Basinger. Uh, I've seen the cover of this. This is one of those like I see it. I always remember seeing it on VHS, and I remember always like skipping that. And we're gonna keep looking for something else to watch tonight. Like if I would be at somebody else's house, or like mm-hmm. visiting. Um, I think we might have even owned this. It just no never, mercy, yeah. 1986. It just my brother and I just never watched it. It's very possible, and I could just be misremembering seeing it at somebody else's house. Well, other than the font, what the fuck is that cover? It, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's nothing to it. There's nothing compelling about it. No, actually, I'm gonna read the description because I'm kind of curious of what it's actually Please. about. Uh, Maverick Chicago cop Eddie Gillette poses as a hitman to meet with someone in from New Orleans looking to have a job done. Nope. Now, see, if you took away the part of him, like, posing as someone, that's a Seagal movie. Yeah, that is a Seagal description. It, it, everything about it is a Seagal movie. Are you kidding me? Even the font. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a rejected Seagal script. That says a lot. <laughs> Do I bang the lady in there? Can you make it so I bang the lady in there? Well, I'm not doing it. Are the bad guys black or Asian? I'm not doing it. <laughs> Uh, we need to do a month of Seagal and or Van Damme. Yeah, um, pre-1994 Seagal. Like, just keep it down there. Yeah, keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Um, we got some re-releases of some old janky horror movies. Uh, we have Terror Firmer from 1999. That would be a trauma film. Uh, guaranteed to be uh, inflammatory and crappy. Yeah, absolute garbage. Um, but... I hate to say it, Lloyd Kaufman is a compelling individual, though. Have you ever seen interviews with him? No. Okay, well, he's he's a strange old man, um, and I and I really enjoy listening to him sometimes. Um, beside that, we have The Devil, which I believe is a Chinese movie from the. It says 1981. Looks looks Pretty like bad. something I I just couldn't handle. Like yeah. it's like this looks too old and too cheap. Um, we have The Beast and the Magic Sword from 1983. Um, this is apparently a Japanese fantasy movie. If it was uh, a swords, like if it was a swords and sandals movie, you would have my attention, but it's not. I mean, I need to read the description for this. Hang on. So, The Beast and the Magic Sword, 1983. Um, in the 16th century, the lycanthrope—that's a werewolf. Um, <laughs> Valdemar Daninsky goes from his native Europe to Japan seeking a way to cure himself of being a werewolf. Only a Japanese sorcerer named Kian and a magic silver sword can save him. Uh, okay, this is apparently like a, a European-Japanese co-production made for TV. It's, I think it's like Italian or something. Hmm. Um, what an oddity. Uh, anyway, doesn't look interesting enough for me to watch, but they're definitely like... Dialing up the TNA on the cover, uh, probably in the hopes that somebody will just randomly pick it up. Um, moving on down, I think is Heart Beeps. Is that another Gold Blue movie? <laughs> or is it, who's in that? Heart. Oh wait, 
I've heard of this movie. This is a movie with the. I think this movie oh, has a Andy person. Oh, that's a no yeah, for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. I've heard some shit about that movie from 1981. That's one comedian I'll never understand. I'll never understand why people liked him so much and why people revere him still. Like, oh, Andy Kaufman was just a genius. He was just the greatest. I'm like, I don't get it. I, <laughs> I do not. <laughs> he and and Andrew Dice Clay. Sorry, I I don't get it. <laughs> Man, what's in the bowl, Kyle? What's in the <laughs> bowl, bitch? I'll give him that. That's pretty funny because I'll, I still, I'll be in the kitchen, like make, like having a bowl of cereal. I'm like, what's in the bowl, bitch? Yeah, that's that's literally the only one I know. So. <laughs> um, um, he hour back. Uh, I'll send it to you. It's pretty funny. It's, it's, it's. I'll send it to you. Hour okay. back. Get it. <laughs> um. So what else we got here? bunch of re-releases um don't have time to list them all but uh, we have an arrow re-release of robocop on blu-ray um might have to get that (laughs) (laughs) it is pretty much like the more i think about it it is like a top three favorite of all time kind of movie for me like no joke i I absolutely love robocop Mm -hmm. um uh, Greener Grass from 2019. Um, this is an IFC movie, and I've learned a thing or two about the IFC label. What it means is uh, 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it means there's a chance this is going to be good, but there's an equal chance that it's going to be bad. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of like... Uh, I, I started watching an IFC film, and then I just stopped watching it because I'm like, this is, just, this is not, this is not going to be good. I can tell right now. Um, yeah, so so like A twenty four is like the the classy sure bet, where it's like you 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 hand him your money and it's like oh yeah I'm definitely gonna you know make my back my investment and then some but like greener grass is like the shady ass like loan shark or something it's with, like oh fuck with <laughs> I don't a, know about this guy <laughs> with A twenty four like you may not have liked the movie but you were supposed to like it was a good movie what you just watched and whether you liked exactly. it or not is your problem um i I, yeah ifc is like maybe maybe not um i remember how pissed i was when i tried watching um a horror movie that was like oh this has got good reviews like this is like kind of went under the radar it's got a lot of like a lot of reviews and i turn it on i've already paid for it and i see wc or i see wwe productions i'm like fuck God damn it! And I couldn't get past like the first fifteen minutes because all I could think of is I'm like I can't watch I can't watch a WWE Productions film. I can't do it. There's no way this is gonna be good. And I never did watch it. I think I've only seen two of their movies, maybe three. One of which is the Scott Adkins movie. Mm. Um, (laughs) Moving on though, uh, we have a steel book of Grave of the Fireflies. Um, I. Bring bring tissue if you end up watching that movie. It is soul crushing. Yeah, I will not be watching very, that. It's very good. I had to watch it in school, and it just it tears your heart out. It's so good though. Um, uh, what else we got here? Um, the cover for In Fabric is interesting, but not enough to like make me want to even read the back of the box. It's just like if I was walking down the aisle and I saw that, I'd pause for a second. Um, we have a re-release of Actually, Guys and Dolls. I think in Fabric, I almost put on my uh, my list today. Somebody really? uh, posted on Reddit about um, uh, art house horror films. Um, and I'm like, well, that's just right up my alley. And the list is huge. And I'm almost positive that this was at the very bottom 
Uh, yeah, In Fabric was the second to last one. Um, huh. Yeah, so this is this might actually be worth your time. Uh, well, my time, not yours. Um, oh, it's has, has Gwendolyn Christie in it, so mm-hmm. is that uh, Game of Thrones people? Uh, yes, that is, uh, she is, yes. Brienne? Brienne of Tarth. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like I said, the, the the cover caught my eye at the very least. Um, but yeah, we have a re-release of Guys and Dolls, um, something called Even the Wind is Afraid from 1968. Uh, we have the Rambo 5 film collection. Uh, I did end up purchasing, blind buying the fifth one. That's a regrettable purchase on my part. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the first um, one, and I feel like that's as far as I need to go. I've seen the first one, and then I saw that 2007 one, or 2006 yeah. one. That's brutal. Well, those are the two legit good movies out of the out of the lot. Um, two and three are just eighties trash. Um, if what? you're if you're down with that, then you're gonna have a good time. Which one uh, starts at a rock quarry? Rock quarry? Or yeah, he's like um, hard labor. That's probably three. Uh, or or two. Uh, it might be two because three is the one where he he goes to the Fight Club and and uh, two. I think he's in prison when they pick him up. Okay. beginning um but yeah five is mm, just not very good um beside that though we have a uh, jojo's bizarre adventure from 2017 um i want to say this is a takashi Miike movie um i'm just gonna double check that because i don't want to assume he directs every live action anime oh he did so <laughs> apparently he does um jojo is a beloved anime and manga um I don't have too much of a background with it, but um, some of my friends are like fanatical about it. Uh, I've been waiting for this to come out in some capacity for a good long while because the Japanese release of it is ungodly expensive for some reason. (laughs) Um, And I might actually pick this up. Uh, This looks promising. has a lot of potential. Uh, But it's only like part one of two, so I'll probably have to wait another two years for part two. God (laughs) damn it. (laughs) Um... We have season one of Fleabag, which I've heard very good things about. That's a TV series. Yeah, they're waterboarding me with uh, fucking ads for that on Amazon. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard very good things about the show and uh, the lead actress. Um, I think she might be a writer as well. Um, oh, funny enough, I think she was in. Uh, I think she was in Solo as the the robot, the droid. Oh, um, gotcha. Uh, we have something called Hell on the Border that looks like Frank Grillo. Yep, um, it is. He's not enough of a selling point for me to check that out, but I do kind of like Frank Grillo. Um, we have the John Wick collection, uh, which is... I don't know if that's a wise purchase, being as we, we're all but confirmed to be getting a part four. So. Yeah, I think a five. I, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if it goes for five. I mean, it seems like there's enough there. It's at this point it's all just like how much of how much of this abuse can keanu's body handle (laughs) like how many more years does he have left in the tank um but yeah i'm primed and ready for four but i hate that when you have like a box set and then there's like one more movie in the collection Mm -hmm. it's like god damn it just looks wrong on the shelf (laughs) (laughs) um we have something called the wave from 2019 that looks like justin long yeah he's kind of a friend Oh, go ahead. I have a friend that I'm forever teasing because he looks exactly like him. <laughs> so every time he makes a shitty movie, which is a lot, um, I have to 
send him a reminder like hey hey buddy you remember that time when you were in tusk yeah that sucked (laughs) yeah i tried watching tusk and that was a mistake uh yeah it's bad Uh, Um, how do you feel about um movies based on the the, hallucinogenic drug it kind of annoys me i feel like it's a it's a cop-out like it's or this is going to be weird because you're thinking about it as like a psychedelic experience i'm like no don't do that Mandy gets a pass because it was done really well. But well, and it was also slightly up for debate. Like that movie had such a strange energy to it that it's like I don't know if this is supposed to be drugs or if this shit's really crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, um yeah, I I think it's a I think it's kind of a lazy plot device in some ways. And and I I know you take offense sometimes because you you know a thing or two about how that shit works and it's oftentimes they take liberties with, yeah. with the effects of these things and it's like you're you're just taking it for a walk and too lazy to do the research on on how to actually take someone's brain to these places um but yeah I, I think i agree with you for the most part um skipping on down though uh we have hanukkah from 2020 i think this is sid haig's last movie oh really uh, yeah sid haig being um was it captain spaulding yeah oh yeah he he's one of those like you know grindhouse actors that guys like me like to claim they have an extensive background with i don't um but the few things i've seen him in man i appreciate him because holy shit uh in the rob zombie appearances i saw him and he was he was terrific he's charismatic <laughs> like he has great screen it, presence yeah, for sure very much so and he has that strange look to him too and i think this is his last his last movie yeah, because he didn't make it for that final Rob Zombie film, which I'm sure has great dialogue, uh, really, really well written. Did you get to 31? I think I crapped out like halfway through. Yeah, that's exactly what you should have done. How did like I? I knew as soon as I saw the opening scene, I'm like, this is gonna be rough. That was that Joe. What's his name? Joe Chill. Is that his name? Richard Brake? Richard Brake. Yeah. Yeah, Joe Chill. I mean, for me, he's Joe Chill. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's Richard Brake. He has his long monologue in black and white, by the way, in the opening of that movie. And that's okay, actually. It's just where we go from there, it's like, oh, no, is this is this the movie? Is this our core cast? Uh, is that a little person dressed up as Hitler speaking Spanish? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I might actually finish it just so I can get like I I got a bite of the sandwich but I got to finish it so I can fully like get the food poisoning that you got from it. <laughs> you could die any day. I really don't think you should waste your time on it. <laughs> okay. Good point. Um but moving on, we have uh Making Waves: The Art of Cinematic Sound. Uh this is a documentary about uh sound design in the film industry. Uh I'm a dork. Uh, so I would actually watch that. Yeah, as I was say, this um, is up your alley. Yeah, and only a couple of slots to the right, uh, we have a documentary that I actually have on the table, like right in front of me right now, called Not for Resale, a video game store documentary. Um, this was produced by a YouTube personality who I actually don't follow, but he's um, loosely affiliated with some folks that I do. Um, this is about uh, just um, physical physical releases of games and how we're how we're trending towards you know strictly digital environment for um 
releasing of video games and whatnot. So it's a documentary with a lot of interviews with uh, like retro game store owners, um, some of whom are the the folks that own Pink Gorilla, which is in the U District here in Seattle. Um, people that I see pretty regularly. So it, just the novelty of seeing them in interviews for a, for a movie should be fun. I, I haven't actually watched it yet, but I, I was very excited to get my copy of it. Um, speaking of psychedelics, uh, Ayahuasca and the Path of the Shaman, I have to, I'm thoroughly convinced that this documentary was likely um, financed by like Joe Rogan listeners. Because <laughs> 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 That guy just will not drop that topic. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I it's like his go-to you. if he doesn't know what to talk about. <laughs> um, Elk. Oh, oh God! There was a. I shouldn't do the 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 dude who made a, a like guy listens to one Joe Rogan podcast and he's just spewing out stuff that like Joe Rogan says, and like, um, elk, elk, dude, elk. Fucking, uh, if a, if a salmon was uh, if a salmon was a human size, it would fuck you up. Like it's <laughs> like some crazy shit. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. If you're familiar with Joe Rogan's podcast, all right, Kyle. Uh, what what else catches your eye here? Nothing really. I kind of like the cover for Cruel Hearts, but I read the description and it sounds just beyond stupid, uh, boring, <laughs> stupid. Um, yeah, not much else for this this day. Is that Brendan Fraser? I just checked. No, <laughs> but I I just checked specifically for that reason, Kyle. <laughs> Man, I might um, check out Hanukkah. I'm just curious because it looks odd. I don't know. It it, it seems, seems. Um, strange. it's gotten a decent amount of hype. Um, I I have a couple like horror sites and like indie movie review sites that I uh, I peruse every now and again. It, it has some buzz around it, so it might be worth your time. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's jump on down to February 18th, and the first major release is something Kyle mentioned earlier. Uh, that would be Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi um, from 2019. This is a, a 4K release. Uh, I've liked everything I've seen of his. Uh, I seriously believe this would probably be something I'd like as well. Um, I'm not super excited to watch it but I have a feeling it's very good. Yeah, that's how I felt. I thought it was going to be like a Wes Anderson ripoff. I'm like, oh, we're going to be quirky. We're going to do a, a funny movie about Hitler. And it's actually really good and funny. Um, I really enjoyed it. I was surprised at how much I liked it. Um, yeah, I, it's definitely worth your time. I think you should you should check it out. Okay, well, I'll, I'll get to it eventually. Um, beside that, we have, um, I believe this is a Roland Emmerich film, uh, Midway. No, this 4K. is not Roland Emmerich. I'm pretty sure I'm right, Kyle. What? He did Midway? There's no way. Well, I mean, Kyle, when I first saw a trailer for this movie, Holy shit, it's it. Roland Emmerich. I told you. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Learn to trust me. I can't believe he pulled um, that one off. Well... So when when I first saw an advertisement for this movie, um, immediately I did my thing where I I, I kind of like furrowed my brow and I was like, where did the financing for this movie come from? Who oh. who asked for this? I wonder. And sure enough, a bunch of Chinese production companies. <laughs> <laughs> because because if there if there's it's like death taxes and uh, China and Japan having beef, <laughs> that's all you can rely on in this world. Um, yeah, uh, this looked like, I mean, it looked aesthetically pleasing, but it also looks like a 
a throwback to a genre of movie that no longer exists in this country. Um, internationally, uh, we have like these really big, loud, colorful, patriotic movies. Um, in in particular, China right now has a lot of like patriotic military movies. Um, ours tend to be uglier and grittier, um, but this looks like rah rah go America kind of stuff. Um, I just don't care. But <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I just don't care. Is this even about America? This isn't about America. Yeah, it's it, it's about the Battle of Midway. It's a massive naval battle between the U.S. and the Japanese in World War II. Um, I, I I know enough of the history, um, and the movie just looked like borderline offensive in terms of like the, I don't know, bold faced patriotism at work. Um, it is kind of shocking who's in it, though. Jesus, it, like we have Aaron Eckhart and Patrick Wilson. It's like I like both of you. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> You're breaking my heart. It didn't seem like it didn't seem like it was going to be like that. I felt like it was going to be just focusing on these two guys trying to get from point A to point B, and how chaotic it was. I think you're talking about 1917. Yeah, you're right. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> this is a radically different movie. <laughs> the fuck's the difference? Uh, uh, one one was up for best picture, and the other one was completely disregarded that's exactly what i'm mixing up i'm thinking it's 1917 i'm like roland emmerich did not do 1917 you crazy asshole like yeah you're right kyle roland emmerich did not do 1917 he did midway i apologize okay i'm i'm glad i'm glad we got this sorted i'm like damn dude you're really coming after 1917 jeez um yeah, dude, so this got Dennis that, Quaid in it, man. You can't watch a Dennis Quaid movie. <laughs> yeah, actually, these days that says a lot about what kind of movie you're getting into. Um, yeah, it's got. I do want to see that. I I do want to see that. Uh, The Intruder movie though. The Intruder. I actually do want to see that. Oh, it's from like a couple years ago. It's a uh, Dennis Quaid. It's um. Uh, was it Lakeview Terrace in reverse, where it's a, it's a cranky old, old cranky old white man. And a black couple, like a, a beautiful ass black couple next door. Yeah. And the crank, the cranky old, cranky old white man with the MAGA hat wants to like kill him. I think <laughs> he's got look, a MAGA look, hat on too. He does. Yeah. He, he literally does. I think, it, or at least a red cap. Um, it looked like my kind of ch- trash, where it's like this looks so dumb, but it looks like enjoyable dumb. Have you heard anything about the movie uh, Villains? It's got the. It's got the. The youngest Skarsgård, Bill Skarsgård, and uh, uh, Jeffrey Donovan. Um, no, Ky- uh, educate me. Um, I've, I just stumbled across it. You've probably seen the cover for it on Prime at some point. It's that after a pair of amateur criminals break into a suburban home, they stumble upon a dark secret that two sadistic homeowners will do anything to keep from getting out. So it's kind of like a uh, don't breathe where like they break in to do something and it turns out really bad for them in the long run. Um, yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. I'm actually uh, excited to watch it. I need Steph to go away for like a day or two so I can get caught up <laughs> on all this uh, stuff she hates to watch. I'm picturing you saying that like as she's making eye contact. Oh, I miss you so much. Yes, goodbye. All right, scary <laughs> movies, scary movies, and violent movies. Um. So speaking of movies that have nothing to do with any of that uh we have a beautiful day in the neighborhood from 2019 on a, on 4k why why not <laughs> it's tom hanks um, people I mean, buy it tom, 
Tom Hanks probably like fronted the bill for the conversion or something. He's like, yeah, could you put me on 4K? It's like, uh, yes, sir, Mr. Hanks, right away, sir. Do you think the um, the the uh, the Oscars was the first time he had heard that his job doesn't matter? Because Ricky Gervais just tore them all a new asshole that <laughs> during that time. Uh, oh, the the Golden Globes. Oh, yeah, the whatever. Golden Globes. Yeah, he's just like your job. It doesn't matter. None of this fucking matters. Your job. It it does not matter. And Tom Hanks is just like, hmm, I don't know about well, that. Like, I think well, he this- probably like hitched up his pants and was like, well. Go open a museum right now. Like, <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> like, if there was a king of Hollywood, I think it's him. Like, yes, I think he's probably the most financially successful actor um, of our, of I think, living or dead. Uh, I think he made forty million dollars from Forrest Gump, and that was because he got points on the back end. I know through the '90s, Harrison Ford was the number one for a while there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a while there, um, I don't know about these days. It's probably like a Hemsworth or a Downey Jr. Downey Jr. Downey Jr. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's your true. answer. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've always wanted to do like an SNL skit where it's like the, it's like the Academy Awards or something, and they're like opening the envelope, and it's like, and the winner for best actor is, and like cut to like tom hanks like just doing like a <laughs> hand just like yeah. shaking his head like no nah. nah, not him <laughs> they're like Seriously. uh tom hanks i really <laughs> do feel like, like he, what? he makes up 30 percent of the ballot like he's 30 percent of the vote on who gets what um yeah no he's he's the he's the megalomaniac with a smile yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> he's, I mean, the, he's the kid he's the kid from the twilight zone movie where it's like he's omnipotent like he has godly power but it's like just, for the love of god don't piss him off he's like ne- he's always happy he's always he's always chipper he's always in a happy mood just don't piss him off for the love of god i think he's more like in the long run he's been more successful than downey jr um neither one of them had had a low point in their careers like where they were doing movies that were bad and tom hanks has well, been doing this longer downey jr at least had a lull though yeah because he was in he prison was, he was sidelined yeah he was, he was in was prison like they had to put him behind bars away from a camera for him not to do well yeah there's something off about tom hanks i like his movies don't get me wrong but something tells me that yeah he's like the behind closed doors asshole white guy like yeah and he didn't take i don't think he took that ricky gervais thing very well because he was just like mm, i don't know i think what we do is very important there ricky <laughs> like oh shut up um 21 bridges is a movie i might red box um the marketing for it tickled me in just the right way where it's are you chadwick at? boseman uh it's it's a oh i see it there now. there we go yeah yeah just like the movie itself it seems like nobody cared <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, saw, I, ca- I caught a couple of uh advertisements and it looked like my kind of trash again where it's mm. like you know, it's it's like an action cop drama. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds stupid, but it sounds like my kind of stupid. So I, I would watch that. Um, Did you hear yeah. anything about this? The the Twilight Zone. The not a goddamn thing. Nothing. <laughs> I've heard absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, it's sad because like that's a that's a big deal for a lot of people. Yeah, and that seemed like a perfect fit. You know. Uh, but to be honest, it's like I don't know. Like maybe we're jumping the gun with this whole peel thing. Like he made exactly like one movie, and then everybody was like, "Oh, he's the new voice in horror." It's like it wasn't even that horrific a movie. I mean, like, I say, maybe he wants. To, maybe he wants to do other things, and this was just the first example of him doing a different thing. Don't get me wrong. He's a like, pothead comedian, and he's brilliant at that. Like yeah. he's very, very funny, and that show was really good. He's very talented, and I've heard Get Out's pretty good, 
But if it we're is. judging judging this, like, I'm judging this off of us. I'm like, are we really saying that he's the greatest ever at this point, guys? Well, to me, it's not even a matter of greatest ever. It's just a matter of, like, being pigeonholed a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I can't help but be a little concerned. That's like, you know, maybe maybe he doesn't want to be the so, like the so-called master of horror. Maybe he just wants to stretch his wings, well, you know, get away from comedy. I think part of the success of that, too, was like, oh, wow, Jordan Peele. Like, that's kind of... Like, that was yeah, the oddity surprise factor. Yeah, yeah. Like, huh, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. If you showed um, me Us, and it was just like, here is a movie directed by a person, <laughs> and you're like, that was dumb. But because it was Jordan Peele, like, it was fine. It was not that great, but it was fine. I'd be much, Yeah, that was my feeling on it, too. I'd be much more harsh on that film. Um... So beside that, we have a Criterion release, Tail Rama, nineteen sixty eight. No, beautiful cover. Beautiful cover. I really like that cover. Like, um, it's enough for me. Not yeah, I, like. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna preserve that cover and never watch that film because <laughs> I'm pretty sure <laughs> whatever happens in the film will not do that cover justice. Uh, moving on though, we have an Arrow release, Deadly Manor, nineteen ninety. Looks like a slasher from nineteen ninety, which is an off year for yeah, slashers. not a good time. Yeah, uh, we have a George C. Scott movie, Day of the Dolphin. I believe this is a, a war drama mm. of some sort. I've been meaning probably to watch, World War Two. I, I watched The Changeling with him. It was, it probably was scary when it was when it came out. Uh, I I found it very boring. But uh, I need to watch um, that damn Patton movie. Yeah, you do. It's it's very very good. And I did watch The Exorcist The Exorcist Three. Um, mm-hmm. Really not a good movie, but there are two like brilliant like just brilliant um uh scenes for horror films like really really Both awesome of which i think were reshoots <laughs> were they god damn it as far as i understand that's yeah. disappointing the nun the, nu- yeah. the the nun coming out of the room and then the the person on the ceiling shot was really really good uh, the the whole climax of the movie was a reshoot um i i think the 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 infamous uh scissor scene was a uh, preserved though i think that was part of the original script that was really um, good yeah it, it's maybe the most famous part of the whole movie is just the one shot which yeah. is a very long shot <laughs> yeah. um jumping ahead though uh, we have uh another criterion uh antonio gaudi from 1984 i have no idea what that is it's the work of uh catalan architect uh antonio gaudi as seen by Japanese new wave director Hiroshi Teshigara. Teshigahara. Yeah, it's, it, names don't ring a bell to me, but it's on the criterion for a reason. Yeah. Um, Architecture. Uh, yeah, it's got to be in the right yeah. mood, I guess. Um, we have a re-release of High School High, which is a movie that I'm sure is very problematic in this day and age. <laughs> but God, God damn it, I think it's funny. I so never funny. realized he had an afro. I didn't. I just <laughs> never. I, I've I've walked past that movie a dozen times in the movie store, and I never pieced that together. I never thought about it. That was an afro. Yeah, I like I said, I think it's probably very problematic by today's standards, but I think it's funny. Let me guess, so it's a it's a teacher who goes to teach in an inner city high school, and it does not go over well. Well, that's the point, that, that we were inundated with those movies in 1996. Oh, man. Yeah, it, it's stupid, it's fun, it, it has a lot it has a lot of content in there that probably doesn't age well, but fuck it, I think it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> 
Um, what else jumps out at here, Kyle? Uh, I like the cover for The Criminal, but I can tell you right now that is probably not a good movie. Uh, yeah, 1960. That is a very stunning cover in a lot of ways. Uh, We have a Guy Pierce, probably direct a video movie, Disturbing the Peace from 2020. Yeah, what happened to Guy Pierce? I like Guy Pierce. We all like Guy Pierce. (laughs) And I'm always waiting for him to make his big comeback because he's 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 a very useful tool to any director because he's he has the leading man look, but he's in actuality like a very strange character actor. It's a deadly combination that is. Is a good thing to have on your set. Yeah. Um, moving on down, we have a bunch of anime. We have what appears to be a live-action Japanese film by the name of Attack of the Giant Teacher from 2019. <laughs> okay. Um, not surprised at all. Um, and I think that's about yeah. it for that week. So let's jump on ahead to the next week here. Um, we have an off-day release of February 22nd. I just want to point out a movie by the name of Death Rage from 1976 starring Yul Brynner. Uh, that's probably a lot of fun in the worst possible way. Um, but February 25th is the proper release date for the week, and it's a it's actually kind of a doozy. This is a big week. Yeah. Um, Knives Out, directed by Ryan Johnson from 2019 on 4K. Um, I would... I would watch this. This looked good. I've actually been waiting for it to come out. Steph and I are going to rent it probably this week. I'm really looking forward yeah, to watching it. It seems like a good date night movie, mm-hmm. you know. Like it seems perfect for that cuz it looks like it's, you know, really dialogue heavy and like the cast is wonderful. Um and it's a who done it. Yeah. Know? Oh, I like and, a good who done it. Yeah, a who done it is best watched with with a a partner or with a crowd, you know, yeah. so you can all like speculate your yeah. while you're watching. Them. Yeah, it's fun. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see that too. Um, uh, beside that, though, we have one that uh, I c- I kept forgetting was coming out very soon. Um, it had a very limited theatrical release, as far as I know. But uh, Color Out of Space, um, directed by Richard Stanley from 2019, starring Nicolas Cage on 4K. <laughs> um, I wouldn't blind buy this or anything, but I'm also very excited to see this. Um, as and you should be too, Kyle, because it seems right up your alley, even more so than mine. Yeah, I don't know when I'm ever going to get a chance to watch it. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm excited to watch Color Out of Space. It's just I don't know when I'm going to have time to get to it. Um, I don't know if I'll buy it. Um, yeah, I just don't know about buying it. I feel weird about buying contemporary Nicolas Cage movies. If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, no, I I get that. I don't think I would buy it. I think I would definitely red box it though. Um, more than likely, it'll probably find its way to Shutter, um, yeah. which I don't have at the moment. But you know, it's becoming increasingly compelling. To be honest, <laughs> their catalog is expanding. It seems to be making a good case for itself. Um, but beside that, we have a uh, collector's edition Shout Factory release of Pet Cemetery Two from 1992. This would be the one with Ed Furlong and. Uh, Mr. Quabs, uh, <laughs> what's his face? Um, I can't remember his name. Uh, uh, Clancy Brown, that's right. Um, I saw this on like Joe Bob Briggs's uh, TNT show, like Monster Vision, I think, way back in the day. Oh yeah, I, it, it's good trashy fun. Not not worth a purchase by any means, but um, if you were there for it, it was a good time. Um, and again, because it's a Shout Factory release, probably has tons of behind the scenes stuff. Uh, Beside that, we have a 4K release of Frozen 2, um, a movie that was like 
I guess it was ordained. It was preordained that this would happen because um, that first one cleaned the fuck up at the box office. Um, I don't know. I, I haven't heard much good about this one, to be honest. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I haven't seen the first one. Um, don't know if uh, this. I don't think I'll ever watch the Frozen films. <laughs> I mean, we're not the demographic for it. No. It's like we kind of, you know, we're we're just not the core audience for it. I, I only saw it because, I don't even know, I think I just watched it with my family out of curiosity. But, yeah, I haven't heard much good about this one. Um, I'll probably end up skipping it. But first one's not bad by any means, though. Um, we have a 4K re-release, I, I think. This might actually be the first time it's on 4K, but it's pretty much, it's all of the daniel craig james bond movies um i already own all of those on blu-ray so i wouldn't need to rebuy them but the timing of this is pretty obviously you know trying to remind people that we have a new james bond movie coming out soon so you should get hype yeah um I, in my case i don't need any help with that i'm already hyped um pretty interested to see how that works out but um we have a Criterion release. Uh, looks like a box set. Three Fantastic Journeys by Karel Zaman from 1955-1961. I'm, I'm about to buy it. Uh, they're having a flash sale on Criterion. 50% off all in-stock uh, uh, purchases. And this costs like $70, uh, $79. And they've got it marked down. Um, yeah, I want to watch all three of these. They look like a lot of fun. I'm actually been looking, I've been looking for this movie, what, the first movie. Um if you look, if you click on it, click to journey, uh, journey to the beginning of time. It's it's three films, um, okay. And if you take a look, you can already tell what it's going to be. It's going to be check stop motion uh, dinosaurs. Uh, oh. it, like if you read it, it's an inspiring expedition back through time. Four schoolboys behold landscapes and creatures that have long since vanished from the earth. So this looks like a lot of fun for me. Um, I I I don't really have the money to be buying this. <laughs> whole box set <laughs> um i think what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna find another criterion film that i want to buy for like 15 bucks uh that i, I can afford uh, i just gotta find the one i kind of want to buy antichrist but uh i don't know when i'm gonna watch it again but i really want this now i'm really excited to watch this two the the last two are on the channel um the invention uh, the invention for destruction and then the fabulous baron uh moon Chanson. um yeah, I want to watch the journey to the beginning of time because it's not available anywhere else from what I can gather. I was looking that up. Okay, well, take advantage of that because 50% off, man. Right. All, all the time. <laughs> and criterions tend to be pretty pricey. Yeah. Um, so jumping on ahead, though, uh, we have The Hunt for Red October on 4K. Um, I had a friend growing up that was kind of obsessed with this movie. Mm. It never quite grabbed me the way it did him, but I think... Have you seen that, by the way? Yeah, it, it, that was like something I watched with my grandpa when I was uh, when I was young. I, 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 oh, that's that's beautiful. That's a good grandpa watching yeah. movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> I vividly remember Alec Baldwin sitting in a room after being out in the rain. Um, I want to rewatch it. Uh, I remember. I do remember Mel Gibson making fun of uh, like making fun of it in uh, What Women Want. Um, oh, but I I want oh. I'd go back and watch this one. This seems like a fun Sean Connery. It's very fun. It's a submarine drama, man. Yeah. It's, it's good manly fun. Um, and my friend, like, playing video games online and stuff, he used to quote it all the time. Like, when he'd die in Counter-Strike, he'd, he'd always, like, his parting message would be, I never got to see 
Montana. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I remember right, that's Sam Neill's uh, last words in the movie. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, not a lot of real Russian people in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, Victory from 1981. This is a Warner Brothers uh, re-release of a Stallone and Michael Caine movie. Michael um, Caine. If I remember right, it's like World War Two, and the it's like Allied prisoners playing a game of football with the Nazis. Um, the Nazis. It's a dad movie for sure. Um, here's a Criterion movie that maybe maybe you'd consider picking up. Uh, Paris is Burning from 1990. Probably if I remember not. right. If I remember right, this is uh, is this the drag festival thing? Yeah, uh, a chronicle of New York's drag scene in the 1980s. Uh, focusing oh. on balls, voguing, and the ambitions and dreams of those who gave the era its warmth and vitality. Uh, a person that we used to work with told me about this movie a long oh. time ago. Really? And it's a it's a critically acclaimed documentary. No shit. Very, import- might, if, very if, important if, film. Um, I'm about to um, I'm about to watch a couple of um, Juliette Binoche movies. Uh, I'm really excited. I'm uh, not excited for, but like. They're gonna be fun. Like it's gonna be fun to watch with Steph. Like I found two Criterion films. Like oh, I can watch these with Steph. She can totally get into these. Um, I'm really crushing on her hard right now. Julia Binoche. And these are like, um, like one of them's like a later '90s, and then one's like an aughts film. So she's like younger. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, even even when she's a little older. Yeah. Still. Mm. Right. She's still. Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. Mm. I'm actually gonna see if this is. Um, I'm gonna see if this is on the channel right now. I mean, as of as of the day we're recording this, it should be out today. I mean that. I mean, they don't have everything on the Criterion channel. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, like I said, someone that we we used yeah. to work with uh, spoke very highly of it. Said it was very, very, very good. Hmm. Um, so moving on down though, we have uh, Extra Three. Watch the skies. Uh, the first one is known as like I think it's a I think it's from the UK. It's like a sci-fi horror movie that was a little bit of a sleeper hit, kind of an oddball movie, but it had some pretty cool makeup effects and some pretty awful imagery. <laughs> um, as far as I know, the second and third movies are just trash though. So this is probably just an attempt to catch it, like you know, get people's money that didn't do the research. Um, we have a bunch of schlock. Um, oh yeah, probably just yeah. I'm just gonna skip over that. But my kind of schlock in the form of a uh, Return of Ultraman. I was waiting 1971 for 1971 to 1972. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Kyle's like rolling his eyes. Right like, I was waiting <laughs> um, for it. Um, so this is a big deal for me because um, the Ultraman TV series is very long lived. It's from the 60s and and continues to this day, uh, basically every year in Japan. Um, a long time ago, like a decade ago, they had uh, DVDs released here in the West um, of the fir- the very first Ultraman series, and then they had a very problematic release. Um, it, like the right, there was a serious rights issue when they did uh, Ultra Seven, the second series. Um, but long story short, the return of Ultraman here. Uh, this is the first time this series has ever been properly released in the West in any capacity. So I'm. This is like my first chance to actually see it, so I might actually pick this up. Nice. Um, kind of a—I don't know what's going on with the licensing of Ultraman, but they are printing discs like crazy. Like every month, I'm seeing a new one for some reason. Hmm. Um, speaking of which, Ultraman Orb: The Origin Saga—I have no idea what that is, but it's from 2016, and it's more and more and more Ultraman. Uh, we have Gappa, the Trifibian monster. I've heard this is terrible. 
um, but it's, you know it's another Daikaiju movie, another giant Japanese monster movie. Um, uh, we have some oldies. Uh, the cover for the Astrologer from 1977 looks um, kind of terrible. <laughs> it's, oh, I don't yeah. know what to make of that. Um, it reminds me of. Kyle, it looks like. Uh, bear with, bear, it looks like. Bear with me. Vampire in Brooklyn. God damn it! You beat me to it. Is that what you're gonna say? <laughs> yes, yeah. that's exactly what I was going like to say. It's like Vampire in Brooklyn. It totally does. Like Eddie Murphy was doing the... that. He's doing that same like hmm, yeah. kind of face, <laughs> and I'm just I'm just inserting the hair there. Like you can't see it, but yeah. I'm just my my brain is putting it there. God damn, that's amazing, Kyle. What about On the same wavelength? What about this Ry- Rigo, the deep sea monster? Uh so Rigo and Raiga. Um, these are like these are interesting movies because I seriously doubt they're at all good by any like in any way. But what makes them interesting is that they are like indie uh, daikaiju movies. Oh really? So the, so these are these are from a subgenre of film that are known for having shoestring budgets. But these are even cheaper than that. Oh. So this was this was like people with no resources whatsoever, just nothing but passion. Um, that got their friends together and you know made monster suits and miniatures and stuff and decided we're gonna make one of these movies um and yeah like like, you would never know that based on the cover art because that's fucking gorgeous Uh, i'm gonna watch the trailer once we're done i'm gonna see about this it looks like fun yeah I i don't know if they're any good i suspect that they're like cheap in the way that's maybe a little tough to stomach um but just the fact that they exist like tickles me a little bit. Like it, it, I think it's neat, you know, that that super indie filmmakers made these. Um, and I think they have a, I think they have another one in production right now. Like I, I heard rumor of like a, a Rago versus Raiga movie. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so that might be what we're doing here is we're trying to like actually, maybe the the Blu-ray sales of of these two releases here are what are going to finance the third one. <laughs> Because if you look at the date these were made, it's from 2005 and 2009. It's been a while. Um, but moving on down here, uh, we got a lot of anime. Um, something called Code 8 that looks like a direct-to-video, like uh, Chappy slash Robocop ripoff. Um, looks, I don't know, interesting imagery, but it has that like Transmorphers look to it. <laughs> where it's like... Uh, like a, a mockbuster kind of. Um, anything else jumping out at you, Kyle? No, I kind of, kind of. I might, I might check out this ride. Go this uh, looks like fun. Um, no, not much here at the bottom. Uh, it's all anime. Uh, yeah. Uh, Albanian gangster. See. <laughs> <laughs> um, Whoa. Nah, I think that's about it. Yeah, I I think we reached the end of February. Um, but it was a surprisingly big month for for physical media releases. Damn. Yeah, I'm really really struggling here. I uh, I think I might have to get this. Oh, it's unavailable, motherfuckers. Uh, the the box set. Yeah. Criterion. It's an already not a, not in stock. Okay. Well, let me just do a quick run through here. See what see what's going to get watched and what's going to get bought here. Um. So. Dr. Sleep, I think I will rent that. Uh, the House That Jack Built, I won't rent that, but if I run across it, I will watch it. 
Um, Nightingale, I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to wait for your recommendation on that. Yeah, that's that's why. Um, we talked a lot about Spike Lee, so he's on my brain right now, so I might check some of his stuff out. Uh, maybe Chirac, because like I said, I think that's on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, Rabbit, that remake of Rabbit, um, is definitely something I'm intrigued by. I've heard it's good, and I mean, I love me some Cronenberg, even though it's not him. Uh, <laughs> but what else we got here? Uh, Ford versus Ferrari. I might rent that if I, if I have a really slow weekend or something. <laughs> um, RoboCop. The Arrow release of RoboCop is a maybe. Um, although I am curious to see if that ever gets a 4K release, because mm. it seems like if anything's going to get it, like there's plenty of reason to give it. Yeah. RoboCop. Um, Jojo Rabbit, I'll watch. Uh, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, I'll watch. Um, but I'm not going to rent that shit. I'm just going to let it come to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, 21 Bridges, again, that's a slow weekend movie. Um, and then Knives Out, I'll, I'll, I will I will run out to the red box for that. We're either, I'd, I'd be excited to watch that. We're either going to watch Dr. Sleep or Knives Out tonight if we don't watch um, my VHS copy of Empire Strikes Back. We just watched the VHS of uh, A New Hope. Uh, really, really nice. Real nice. I'm sure. That sounds lovely. I'm not going to buy the house that Jack built, but I will be watching it here before long as I'm working through Lars von Trier's filmography. I got to hit the the uh, the Depression trilogy. Um, I got to hit that. And I got to finish the current trilogy. There's another film I have to see within the um, another one of his. He has a couple of like three film um, ideas he's exploring. Uh, let's see here. Definitely, I'm going to end up buying that box set at some point, uh, probably, <laughs> uh, if they get it in stock. Um, I think that's probably... It will the, be mine. It, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. uh, I think it will... I think it's probably the only one I'm for sure going to buy, is that one. Just because I've been looking for that dino- that dinosaur movie for years now. Well, I'm, I'm glad you pointed it out, because... Yeah very nearly skipped over it yeah um yeah for me i think it's gonna be i i think if anything i purchased this month might might be ultraman might be robocop uh but that's about it it's a pretty thin month for as far as purchases go paris is burning i, I really do want to see but i'm not gonna pay for that um, again, I'll let that come to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the theme for the month. It's like, oh, it looks good. Not enough to pay for it, though. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, uh, kind of surprised, though. A lot, a lot of good stuff came out this month. Um, anyway, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Um, this is a monthly event on the on the podcast, so uh, tune in sometime else for, <laughs> for uh, the March edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray. Um, 